Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Open up your Bibles to the book of Mark. I want to talk today about the greatness of God. And we're going to read Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 2. And this is a story that's called the Transfiguration. You might be familiar with it. It's kind of a popular Sunday school story. I don't hear a lot of messages about this. But this is a very unique passage because other than Jesus' resurrection and ascension to heaven, this is probably the moment where he displayed more of his heavenly glory than any other time when he walked the earth. So why don't we talk about it more? Well, we're going to talk about that here, the greatness of God. I'm reading out the NIV, so follow along if you can. Starting with verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And verse 6 is a great memory verse for all of us. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. The Toby version is, he was out of his mind. (laughs) Verse 7, then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Thank God for his word. Amen. Amen. I want to talk today about the greatness of God. And I want to start off asking you a question. And this is kind of a tough question, even though it might sound very simple. What's one of the greatest things that you've seen God do in your life? Let's think about that for a second. What's one of the great, I didn't say what's the greatest, because it's kind of hard to narrow it down to one, right? Or hopefully it is. <laughs> But what's one of the greatest things you've experienced of the greatness of God? Now, there might be people here that can't think of anything. And that's okay. Don't feel bad. Let me rephrase it then. What's one of the greatest things you've heard about God? I can think of several. We had a moment about eight years ago at the camp where a young boy was drowning in our pool. Some of you know this story. And uh, I was called in and began to do, you know, CPR on him. And then the EMTs arrived. Rex was part of that group. I think Al Copper was here too. Anybody else was part of that group? And they worked on him quickly, rushed him to the hospital, resuscitated him back to life. 
And then he was flown to the Children's Hospital in Omaha for very special care. It was a very stressful moment in my life as a DYD. I remember being up till about 3 or 4 in the morning, having conversations with presbyters, with my superintendent, with parents. And um, I remember it was one of those moments where I prayed to God, God, this is out of my league. <laughs> you ever had those prayers? Well, that was a moment God showed his greatness. Because we later found out from the doctors in Omaha, the reason he had that issue was because he literally had a heart attack underwater. He had a condition in his family, a heart issue. And he wasn't the only one, but all of his family, his brothers and sisters and his dad, had the same issue. And it would have happened anywhere, but the fact it happened at our camp, in the pool, with all of our specialized people, our nurse and the EMT so close, was a miracle. In fact, I heard those words out of the doctor himself. They saved his life. They did this procedure to fix his heart, and they did the same procedure on the rest of his family to protect them as well. Isn't that a miracle? A really great part of that is your local team here was honored with a very high award for being lifesavers in that moment. And uh, it's really, really great to see the greatness of God. I think of our campground. I know most of you are familiar, but we own the camp here on the west edge of town, the crossing. We've had that for multiple, multiple years. And I was in a meeting maybe 12 years ago where... Uh, the presbyters, the leaders of our state, asked us to go back to our rooms and pray about whether we should keep the camp or not because it was in disrepair and we were out of money and we were in debt and we were having a hard time. And I was in charge of the camps back then. And I remember going to bed thinking, this is it. We came back the next morning. There's probably 15 leaders, our top leaders in the state. This is the team that Rex sits on now today. And... Our superintendent led off and said, well, what do you guys think? And the one man in the room that was least likely <laughs> to say this, because he as a pastor didn't actually send his own students to our camp, which I don't approve of, all right? Let's keep the kids coming to camp. He spoke up and said, God spoke to me and said, we're not done with this place yet. It was shocking. In that moment... That one moment began to turn things around. And now our campgrounds is one of the highlight of our network because it is thriving in the ministry of camp. Isn't that incredible? God's doing great things there. And uh, it really is a miracle that really showcases the greatness of God. And even in my own life, I have a personal one not, not a lot of people know about, but many of you might know, I do every year a missions bike ride, and I ride a bike hundreds of miles and raise money for our missionaries. Usually it's from one, length of our, from one side of our state to the other, but we sometimes do some fun rides in the mountains, and then we re realize we really like flat Nebraska. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was severely bow-legged. You can still see a little bit of it today, but not nearly what, like, my home movies, my mom shows. To the point where the doctor put braces on my legs. If you've seen the movie Forrest Gump, that was me. And I had those braces on. Shortly after that, my mom went to a service at Bellevue Assembly of God. 
and got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> One of the things we believe in in the Assemblies of God. And she believed God told her he was going to heal my legs. So she went back to the doctor and told him, I want to take the braces off. And he said, you're crazy. He's going to have major problems in life if you don't keep these on. She said, God told me. So they took my braces off. And every year now, I put in about 2,500 miles on a bike for missions <laughs> for the glory of God. So I know the greatness of God. I feel it every day. <laughs> God is great. Could you think of something in your own life? How many of you could think of something? Yeah. Raise your hand. How many of you could think of something you heard? Yeah. Well, this story will teach us a little bit about the greatness of God. Because I want to challenge you that I think we miss it sometimes in our lives. In fact, I'd say we miss it a lot of times. The first thing I want to focus on is the reaction of the disciples. There were three things that happened very specifically for them. The first is this surprised them. They had no idea this was going to happen. We see from Scripture that Jesus often went away in the mountains to pray. We also see there's times where he takes these three with him, his inner core of the disciples. We also see times in Scripture where when they went with him, it was their time to catch up on sleep. <laughs> that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane even. So these guys are probably thinking, we're in store for a good nap. And suddenly, whoosh, the power of God. It surprised them. The second thing is they forgot about everything they'd already seen about Jesus. Up to this point, we're in Mark chapter 9. We've had eight chapters of miracles of Jesus. In fact, Mark is my favorite book in the Bible and in the Gospels because it's nothing but stories. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love a good message, all right? I preach them all the time. <laughs> but I love stories. And in fact, if you're a new believer or a young person or you just want to start getting into the Bible more, I encourage you get into the book of Mark. It's one story after another. And it tells the greatness of God. They had eight chapters of the greatness of God. But suddenly it happened. And all of a sudden it was like they were seeing it for the very first time. They forgot everything else that had ever happened. And then the third thing is they had no idea how to respond. Now this one encourages me. And it should encourage pastor and all the ministers here. Because, yes, we have the, the pastor jacket on. I have the pastor haircut these days, right? I'm, I'm wearing the cool look. I've got all the classes done. I have done the experiences. And there's moments, like I said before, where I pray and say, God, this is out of my league. <laughs> I had one of those moments just a week ago. I often come through the camp and stay on my way out west for ministry on the weekends. Last Saturday night, I was in the Ackerman meeting room praying by myself for a bit. And I prayed that very prayer because I was facing one of those things. There's often times in our lives where we're called to do things or experience things we don't know why and we don't have the answer for. That's exactly what happened here. Be encouraged because God built his church through these three people who didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> so when the greatness of God comes in our life, it might surprise you. You might forget everything that happened before and you might not know how to respond. That sounds like a church service where something awesome happened 
and all of a sudden the whole schedule is thrown out the window, and we're all sitting there going, what's next? <laughs> Trust me, I had a lot of those moments at camp. That camp is kind of made for those <laughs> moments. But in church, you know, we follow that structure pretty good. But that's a good thing when we reach those places in our life because it means we're about to experience the greatness of God. The thing is, we live our lives trying to control that and make sure we don't have that. Often, we don't want to reach a place where we don't have the answer, where we can't remember the things God's done before, or where it takes us by surprise. We pray and say, God, can you help me this way, this time, this moment, right? And then the greatness of God comes in a way we never thought it would. So here's three lessons from this passage that I want to leave you with. The first is God works on his time, not ours. I think the, that'll be up on the screens. Here we go. It'll come up here in a moment. But God works on his timing, not ours. Here we see Jesus surprising them with his greatness. They didn't know that was coming. And he's talking with Moses and Elijah, two historical figures that actually represent two of the most prolific periods of God's activity among men in the Old Testament. So Jesus is talking to some heavy hitters who are in heaven but sent to earth and talking to him as a team. Now we know from the passage that Jesus was leaving these three disciples with this to prepare them for the resurrection, to prepare them for his final moments on the earth, the end of the story. And so this was a very specific moment. God was trying to encourage them, though they didn't know why. They couldn't see what was ahead. He also was talking to these two figures that were from the past. They couldn't see what was in the past. The disciples only saw in the moment. But God sees the past, the present, and the future all together at the same time. That's one of the reasons God's time is better than ours. Because he created time. Keep that in mind. He doesn't live within it like we do. He oversees it. Many of us are experiencing things in our life and in this church that were prayed for generations before you and I even came to this place. We're part of those answered prayers. We're part of that process. In fact, we see Peter who speaks up and says, let's do this, let's build these shelters. Peter built the church, which is what we're sitting in today. He's the, he's the builder of the, he's the founder of the church around the world. We are still part of that plan. We're part of this moment, though it was thousands of years ago. It's hard for us to grasp because we don't see things the way God does. His time is perfect, but he takes the whole picture into account for his timing. We often want it right now. <laughs> That's the greatness of God. But we don't often praise God for that. You don't see a lot of songs that say, God, thank you for doing it, your time. Even though it was two years after I wanted it. Thank you for your time. <laughs> you don't see that a lot. You don't hear that a lot. But that's a proof that God is greater than us because his timing is perfect. Second thing, the second lesson is worship helps us remember. Worship helps us remember. When I asked you to think of the great things that you've seen or heard, maybe you started singing a worship song that talks about the great things God is. 
the great things he's done. Those worship tunes that get in your mind that you sing over and over and become a broken record have a purpose. They remind us of how great God is. That's so important when we live in a world that doesn't look like it all the time. Pastor Rex was mentioning earlier how so many challenges are in our world today in America that's becoming less and less Christian-based, right? We need to remember the greatness of God. I challenge you to make sure the background music of your life is Christian. Now, I've been saying that for years with young people, but I'm saying it to our church bodies today. Because that music that's behind your workday, behind your car driving, behind your hanging out at home, it's getting in you. And that's what you're going to hear when you need to remember how great God is. And do you want to remember the broken truck down the street and the girlfriend that didn't love you and all that? Or do you want to remember the greatness of God when you're going through that challenge? You have to be intentional about it. There's always background music, right? You walk through Walmart, take a break, close your eyes, and listen. There's background music. That's why I love going to Chick-fil-A. It's not here in Lexington yet, right? <laughs> but there's Christian music playing in the background. One of the greatest things you could do to recognize the greatness of God is to fill your life with worship. Be singing worship throughout the day. Intentionally listen to Christian music, music that glorifies God, because it will help you remember and recognize his greatness. Like I said, these disciples immediately forgot all the things because it surprised them. It shocked them. When God surprises and shocks us, I hope our first instinct is to worship. And then the last lesson is this, that God is bigger than you and I can understand. This is a key point to this passage. I think the main point. That's one of the things about the greatness of God is there's a main point to every scripture, and then there's multiple other lessons that are part of it that God will illuminate right when you need it. That's why you can hear a message the 20th time, <laughs> and it can still mean something in your life. That's another sign of God's greatness. Now, in this particular story, there's this moment where Peter says, let's build these shelters, right? One for Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And I love Jesus' response. He completely ignores them. In fact, God interrupts him and says, this is my son. Listen to him. In other words, you have no idea what you're talking about. Pastor Rex, I give you permission to say that to Pastor Kenny and Amber all the time. Because that's what God said right then. Why is that so important? Well, there's a lesson here we have to learn. So God is speaking to Elijah and Moses. Again, the two people that lived during the greatest intervention of God supernaturally in man's affairs during the Old Testament. In fact, the greatest period was Moses in Exodus, Right? Those people saw the plagues that God punished Egypt with to soften their hearts and let them go. They walked through the Red Sea that they saw moments later drown the entire Egyptian army, which was the most powerful army in the world. They saw the glory of God on, mount, on the mountains, and they saw the, uh, the tablets that came down that were written with God's own hand. The tabernacle that traveled with them in the desert 
had a cloud over it all day long and a pillar of fire at night that was the symbol of God's presence. And every single day when they woke up, there was supernatural food on the ground that God gave them to feed them in a desert, in the driest place with no sustaining forces. They experienced the greatness of God multiple times every day in their life. That's exactly what you and I are asking for all the time. God, if you could just show up, <laughs> if you could just speak to me, if you could just tell me exactly what you want me to say, if you could just heal that sickness that's been there for years, if you could bring my lost child back, right? If you could just do that, then I believe. Then I'll do anything you want. Then I'll go on the mission field. I'll do whatever it takes. We say those kind of prayers. Exodus was when God did all those things with the Israelites. He answered all those prayers that we're praying for them. So how did they do? Not so good. In fact, while Moses was up on the mountain talking to God, they were creating an idol that they could lead themselves. They wanted to be idolatrous because God didn't make sense to them. Because they wanted to define who God is. Because I want a God who does what I want, not what they want. That's idolatry. And that's the hint of what Peter was saying. We missed this. But Peter said, let's build a shelter for Jesus and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Let's build a temple where we can worship all three of those people. And Peter built the church. If God wouldn't have interrupted and Jesus wouldn't have ignored it and they would have actually dealt with that, we'd probably have churches today worshiping Elijah and worshiping Moses. Because the builder, the creator, the innovator of church was the one who first said that. When God showed up in power to Peter, immediately idolatry started rising up in his heart. That's because God gave us free will and critical thinking. And as much as that's a wonderful gift, it also causes us to question who God is and think we could do it better. And it's easy to do that when you look at a world that looks like it's falling apart. And we're saying, God, why aren't you stepping in? Why are you letting all these things happen in our school today? Why are you letting this happen in our politics? What's going on with all these riots? What, what are these wars overseas and people? God, where are you? You ever ask those questions? I know I have. And we say, God, if you just show up. And when he showed up, they became idol worshipers because it wasn't what they wanted. You see, God is bigger than you and I. And the fact we can't understand everything he does should not be reason to doubt him, but to have more faith in him. Because I want a God who's bigger than me. Amen? I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. And if I can define God and figure him out entirely, then he's not God. I am. And that's why it's a good thing 
that God is beyond our understanding, beyond our explanation, and doesn't just do everything we ask him to do. You see, the very thing that becomes a stumbling block, if you approach it the other way, can be one of the greatest intimate things in your relationship with God because you praise him for his greatness, not walk away, not follow something else. You respect his greatness. It's kind of like an engineer, all right? We might have some engineers here, but they are one of the dip most difficult study uh, curriculum to get that license or that certificate because that engineer is going to build things with systems that have to work together for a distinct purpose. And the greater level of engineering needed the greater level of training to get there because lives depend on it. We're in a building right now that an engineer's mind created because we have so many systems working. We can even hear a system right there, right? We have all these systems working so that we could do this today. And we do this multiple times in our day in different buildings across town and even in our home. There's an engineering mind working through systems that are all working together. Now, think about that in this building because where I live is downtown Omaha. And I look out and I see these huge buildings, multiple stories. And I think, how much more engineering needs to happen for that to make sure that it's not hurting people and it works together? So how much more does it take for those who build entire cities or those overseeing our states and our government, those that are leading things around the world? This is a great engineering mind. But that's as far as we can go as humans, and only a select few even get there. But we serve a God that goes beyond that. Because our world is one of many in our solar system, right? And our Milky Way galaxy is one of many in the universe that our God created and oversees all at the same time. But let's take it a step further. It's not just about going up, but even in this room, all right? God gave us the skills to build this building. And right now, there's people in this room, I don't know, maybe 100. And as we're sitting here right now, each one of us have all kinds of systems working in our life so we can be here today in this moment and hear this. What you're hearing, the, the systems going on in your physical body of your heart pumping and your breathing and your blinking that you don't think about, you just do. God created those systems and keeps it running today. Not to mention your family and your job and the plans for your future and so many other things that it just doesn't go up to bigger things. But God even has all the systems that go down to the smallest things in our life that he oversees. He is the master engineer that has everything working together at the same time for all these systems. And we come in and tell him, you need to do this right now, right here. Imagine when the person was building this place, <laughs> and if you would have come in and said, hey, I'm going to sit right there, and I want to make sure that's the most comfortable chair in the room. <laughs> and the engineer would go, uh, <laughs> that's the least of my concerns right now. Because <laughs> there's a lot of other things that have to work together for you to even get in here, let alone sit in that chair. But that's how it is when we tell God what he should be doing in our lives. Now, I know it's easier said than done because some of the things that you're suffering through are difficult. And I'm not trying to minimize that. But I'm trying to maximize your understanding of who God is. Because even though you're dealing with those things, that doesn't mean he's lesser God. It actually proves he's more. Because he's still in control. 
I want to close with this. I have a pastor that raised me up in ministry in Bellevue, Nebraska. His name was Gary Hoyt. Many of you know Gary. Gary's one of our former ministers. He just retired a couple years ago, served in an executive level with us, and has now moved to be near his grandkids in California. So he transferred his credential. He's part of that network now. And we lovingly remember his great accolades here in Nebraska. I'm one of them because he's helped raise me up. Back in the 90s, uh, Gary had a major car accident just outside North Platte on the interstate. And his son and him had a car roll over in the middle of the night. And uh, his son walked away. Gary was paralyzed from the chest down. That was almost 30 years ago now, 25 to 30 years ago. From that moment, he went through therapy to, to learn how to adjust in life. But this pillar of the faith, spiritual father to me, has not had one ounce of physical things change in that condition from that moment. Now, he's been in multiple services of healing where other people have healed. He's even prayed for other people that have healed. He's commissioned several ministers in the ministry, of which I'm one. I myself have even had those moments praying for him and saying, God, let him walk, let him walk. And not one ounce has changed. In fact, that's how he was, uh, his therapy was part mental because they taught him that other than supernatural activity, nothing will ever change in your physical state to get better from this moment on. That's a very tough, maybe you have a family member that's going through something like that. That's tough. That's the kind of thing that would make some of us go, where are you, God, right? And I'm sure he had many of those moments. But recently, before he left, we were meeting at the camp again, and he led a devotion. And it was one of those moments that surprised us, took us because it was so powerful. But he talked about his wheelchair and his state. And he said to us, I've reached a point in my life where if I could go back and change it, I wouldn't because I've seen the greatness of God. Now, I know what he lived with. Every morning, his wife had to dress him and still does. He can't button. I, I have, what, 10 buttons here? He couldn't even do one on his own. There are several things he can do that are amazing. He drives. And that's a step of faith when you're riding with him, let me tell you. <laughs> but there's so many things that have never changed. And to hear somebody like that say that was very powerful for me. Because he knows more of the greatness of God because of his challenge, not in spite of it. Could it be that maybe God's got a plan in our lives for the same thing? The Bible says that the troubles we have on this earth are light and momentary. They will end one day, whether it's here or when we move on to eternity. Could it be that there's a purpose in the pain, that there's a purpose in the challenge, that God has greatness in it, that we're fighting against it because we're trying to change it constantly? I believe so. Recently, I had a student from Sagu who interviewed me as a superintendent. And they asked me this question. They said, can you think of some decisions that you regret you made in ministry? 
immediately I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, you should be asking Gary, Gary Hoyt, because he could name a lot that I should have done <laughs> But in that moment, I remember Gary, and I remember what he said, and I thought back to my uh, experiences, and I can tell you the same thing. Yes, there are things that I went through tremendous turmoil because I made a mistake or failed. But now on the other side, I see the greatness of God, how he used those situations for his glory. And the, one of the biggest pieces is that he's put me in a position to train other ministers, and I'm teaching them lessons I would never know if I didn't go through it. So no, I wouldn't change that because I wouldn't be who I am today. There was a purpose, but if I would have gotten my answer to prayer that God changed it, I would never have gotten the greatness of God that he had expected for the future. So that's why this moment is so powerful. Because in that moment, when God interrupts Peter, and he says, this is my son, listen to him. I mean, I'm thinking there's music going, there's angels singing, you know, this is it. And Peter and James and John, their, their faces are on the ground thinking, we have made it, hallelujah. And they look up, and it's all gone. And there's Jesus just standing there. You guys ready? <laughs> they're, I'm sure they're like, did that just happen? <laughs> Jesus is like, come on, we got to go. We gotta go. And they're walking down, and then he says, this was to help you guys be prepared for the resurrection. You see, that moment where God displayed his greatness had a purpose too. And it wasn't just so they could have this great moment and worship God with all their hearts. It's to prepare them to go through the most challenging thing they would ever experience in their lives the death of their Savior, and then to have the faith to believe that God could raise him from the dead, which is the pillar of our salvation. That's the pillar of our faith. Jesus did that to make sure they didn't fail. But they couldn't see that. They didn't know that they had this big turmoil coming. They didn't even know what resurrection meant. But Jesus knew. Here's the best part of this whole story. We're always looking for the big miracle. We're always asking God where he is. We're always asking him to step in. And here's the thing we have to understand. He already did. Because the miracle is not the shining white robe. The miracle is not Elijah and Moses. The miracle is not the audible voice of God. The miracle was with them the whole time, and it's what they walked down the mountain with. The miracle is Jesus. You see, God changed his plan from Exodus where he was going to come in in power and might and glory. And instead, he does that through Jesus. And that's who we have today. That's who you have right now. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever challenge it is, you have the miracle. And it's Jesus. And that's all you need. That's all you need. So I want to pray. And I have two specific prayer requests before we close. There's some in here that maybe you are not living for Jesus now. And I just said that he's the miracle and then something sparked in your heart that you need to make a commitment to Christ today. I'm not pinpointing behaviors that are wrong or any of that. It's your heart. And you know your heart's not living for your creator, God. And you want to accept that miracle Jesus into your life as your savior and become a Christian today. 
we can do that. I think there could be a couple in here like that. This could be your moment. This could be your moment, the best moment of your life. By surprise, you just came to visit church this morning. This could be the best moment of your life right now. But I think the second one is probably more applicable. And that's people that are going through things in your life where you've begun to doubt the greatness of God. There were three things as I was praying God kind of brought to me. One is maybe you have a family member that walked away from the Lord. I have one. Just yesterday, my family was at a festival. And this, uh, my sister, who's kind of written off my whole family, showed up at the same festival, at the same restaurant, a table away from me. And I knew I was preaching this today, and there she is. And I thought, that's the greatness of God. I loved honor and did the best I could with her. But some of us have somebody that's walked away from the Lord, and we've been praying that God would bring them back, and they haven't moved a muscle. And we're saying, God, where are you? And maybe you've begun to doubt his greatness. Another is your physical issue. There's some of us that have been praying for a healing, much like Gary, Gary Hoyt, and nothing's changed, not even a little. And you're beginning to doubt his greatness. And then the last one we kind of talked about earlier is the state of our world today. And you're saying, God, why are you letting this happen in our schools and in our government and in our homes and in our community? And you're beginning to doubt God's greatness because it looks like evil is winning. I want to give us a chance, if that's you, to repent and say, God, I've been doubting your greatness. And today, I surrender. I lay it down and say, God, change my heart to worship you, even though you're bigger than I can understand. Let's all bow our heads, close our eyes across this place. Thank you for hanging with me a little bit longer. Is there anybody here that needs to make Jesus the leader of your life? And you want to ask Jesus to change your life and become a Christian? If that's you, with all heads bowed, nice closed, would you raise a hand? I'm not going to pull you up or embarrass you. I see one hand up. Thank you, sir. You can put it back down. Anybody else? I'm going to wait just a bit because this is maybe the most important moment of the whole day. Anybody else? Okay. Second question. Have you begun to doubt God's greatness? It could be anything, but specifically a a loved one that's walked away from the Lord, a physical issue ongoing in your life, or the state of our world today. If that's you, would you be honest and say, I need to surrender anew these things in my heart? Raise a hand. Amen. I see those hands all over the room. Put it up. Put it back down. Anybody else? There were several. All right, let me pray together for you right now. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for this message this morning. and Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for being the miracle. Lord, for that hand that raised to accept you as their Savior. Lord, I pray you'd help that individual 
even now where they're sitting, to begin to pray in their own way and say, God, I need you. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Come change my life. I want to be a Christian. In Jesus' name. Lord, for all those who raised their hands and said, I need to surrender anew these issues in my life. Lord, I pray that you would come into this room and meet them here and you would accept this gift, Lord, and change their hearts. Holy Spirit, work on the inside and build up a worship in our hearts that can worship you even though we don't fully understand and trust in you and even praise you for your greatness in the midst of challenges, Lord. Because we all have those moments, Lord, and we all come to those places where we must surrender again our way of thinking. Lord, I pray for this church, and I ask that you'd help Calvary to thrive in Lexington. Earlier, I mentioned there's more seats available. God, I pray you'd shine that light and bring in the lost like never before. Lord, overflow this room with people that need you, Jesus. Let us all be part of reaching out and drawing them in. And God, I pray that the light would become brighter in this place to the greatness of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm going to hang around a little bit afterwards. Come and talk to me if you have any questions about Assemblies of God, if you want to talk to me about anything I said. Last thing, just a reminder, easy way to apply this message in your life is to go find some more Christian music and turn it up. Amen? Amen. Pastor X.